Now, wait a minute, Gardison. Now, you, you've got to get me out of here. Six weeks sitting in a two-room apartment with nothing to do but look out the window at the neighbors. Bye, Jeff. Now, Gardison, I, if you don't pull me out of this swamp of boredom, I'm going to do something drastic. Like what? Like what? I'm going to get married, and then I'll never be able to go anywhere. It's about time you got married, before you turn into a lonesome and bitter old man. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Retro Movie Podcast, the podcast where everything is connected. I'm your host, Jacob Thompson, and joining me is my co-host, friend, and the person most likely to have a pulley system for his dog that he can let it down from his apartment so he can pee on the on the street. Alex Perkins, Perkidian tonight. Uh, I'm well, thanks. Uh, I It's genius, really. <laughs> it's really incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Some, like... The feet of science is what that is. Why why walk down the stairs with your dog where you can just throw it out the window <laughs> essentially and then call back up? Cutest little basket too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh welcome back to the show, everyone. This is the podcast for every week. Perk and I review a movie connected to the last one we watched. If you like our show, we post pretty much every Friday on podcast services and YouTube. You can give us a follow on TikTok as well. But come watch the movies with us. Right now we're on our classic string. Uh, last week, we watched On the Waterfront featuring Marlon Brando, and we're following uh, Leonard Bernstein, who we'll probably talk about later in this episode. Um, he was on the, the soundtrack for both uh, On the Waterfront as well as this movie, Rear Window, an Alfred Hitchcock classic. Uh, Perk, why don't you draw for us? Uh, yeah, all right. So uh, Rear Window is a 1954 joint directed by the aforementioned Alfred Hitchcock, starring James Stewart and Grace Kelly. It revolves around a man with a broken leg who is uh, stuck in his wheelchair in his apartment during the recovery process uh, in an apartment that overlooks a courtyard in his in his little complex. And he kind of can see in on the lives of of his neighbors and then uh, and then murder. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Or was there murder? Or was yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there was. Sorry, spoiler was, yeah, alert. Yeah. <laughs> but you're supposed you're supposed to watch the movie before you listen to the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, couple fun facts. Uh, this there's a scene where it starts raining outside, and mm-hmm. there's one couple who has a mattress that they keep on their uh, on their like, like balcony. balcony, which is just such a privilege of people who don't live somewhere where there are mosquitoes. I guess. Yeah. Um, also, like, do they have an apartment or are they just living on that balcony? Like, what's the situation? I mean, I'm sure they have it. Like, they, they got to go back in somewhere. But uh, Hitchcock actually pulled a prank during that scene uh, because an, another fun fact is Hitchcock only operated out of uh, uh, James Stewart's apartment. He was never like. Obviously, all the shots are from that apartment. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He was communicating with the actors via uh, flesh-colored earpieces. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, he told, for that scene, he told the wife to go one way and the husband to go through the other window. Mm. Just to, adds uh, kind of the chaos of it. Yeah, to to make it a like a legitimate struggle. Which is yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty clever. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the. The movie takes place on a set, which is one of the most impressive sets I've ever seen for a movie. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. It was 98 feet wide, 185 feet long, and 40 feet high. It consisted of 31 apartments, eight of which were fully furnished and livable, running water <laughs> and everything like that. Yeah. Um, 
the courtyard was 20 to 30 feet below the stage level. And some of the buildings were like five or six stories tall, um, which is just like, it's crazy how, how intense this set was. Yeah. And it pays off big time. Yes. Um, and then at, at one point, the, uh, the film negative was damaged and all of the yellow dye faded. So they had to like, mm. f- for the current features, they had to like spend you know, lots of time and money restoring all of the yellow to the film which is interesting yeah kind of well cool. that's something i was wondering because in the opening credits it says colored by technicolor i'm like so do they shoot it in black and white and then manually color it later like how, what's that process i think that is kind of how technicolor works right that's insane that would take yeah. so fucking long and you have yes, to have like some sort of reference like that yeah that's insane it yeah, is i'm sure there's there's some great video essays about that maybe I'll look it up but um Perk, let me ask you something. All right. Is it just me or is it crazy that my two roommates had not heard of this movie? I think it's a little crazy. Like, this is this is Hitchcock's most famous movie, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, mean, Psycho? I mean, he's got, I mean, Psycho and Vertigo and stuff. But like, I, don't yeah. know, I feel like I've been hearing about this movie since I was super young and I watched well, it when I was really young. And I mean, you just like seeing how it's permeated through uh, through culture, like. There's yeah. a Family Guy episode that rips off Rear Window. Yeah, there's a ton it's, of stuff that's based on it. Yeah. 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 But anyway, Perk, what do you think of it? First time watching Rear Window. I liked it a lot. I, I don't think it's perfect, but it's a a really good thriller that uses tension really well, including just like ambient tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it peaks really well. Um, the, the build of the tension to the climax yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. I think it's really, really great premise. Like, <laughs> and I think it's set up so so well. Um, but yeah, I love the premise. Love the like how we kind of recruit different characters to help them out throughout it, and then yeah, the build attention at the end is great. Um, super contained, and like the set elevates it so much of like it feels like a real place, and it's just I feel like has little nicknames for everybody and. Um, yeah, you can tell why it was so like influential on so many like stories after the fact. Um, Definitely. Yeah, but I want to start the discussion perk by just saying, what's his name? JB Jeffries or whatever, or uh, LB Jeffries, LB Jeffries. Or, or Jeff. Bro, she's too good for you. Stop being a dick. No. <laughs> I swear to God, this, bro, Grace Kelly. I would do anything for this woman. Yeah, uh, Lisa, she is, Lisa rocks. She is stunning. And she's super great, and she's being no, super she's nice fantastic. and like considered. And he's being a fucking dick, dude. With these offhand comments, yeah. bro. Chill. I I could not handle how disrespectful this man was being to uh, to Lisa. No, I and I really like to. Well, yeah. First of all, just to touch on Grace Kelly is fantastic. Um, yeah, she plays a character who isn't just your like ditzy blonde lady in distress. Mm, like she yeah. she you know she's. <laughs> independent enough and 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 goes out there and uh and like does a lot of the digging for him mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. literally in some cases but um yeah and she doesn't really take much guff from him too which is which mm-hmm. is nice to see but yeah I, yeah i thought she was great and i liked how their relationship kind of developed by the plot uh as well as like you know as she gets more and more involved in like getting her hands dirty on this mm-hmm. unfortunately it kind of is her coming to his level on right. like the disagreement but right. you know it's it's an arc nonetheless 
Yeah. And I, I like the disagreement. Like it's a felt very realistic between, mm-hmm. you know, couples is like they love each other, but they got different lives and you know, what's going to give, you know? And I, I think that is interesting to explore. Just like, bro, stop being a fucking asshole about it, man. And like, I love Stella, dude. Stella is such a real one. And yes. I love her so much. And like, there's a lot of foreshadowing in their first conversation, of what's going to happen and stuff, but she's just the best. I, I need a Stella in my life just to give it to me straight, you know? Yeah. Uh, it'll also be interesting to see um, moving forward in this classic movie string, but uh, the fact that, you know, on the waterfront was pretty tame from like a, you know, there's always in old movies, there's always stuff where it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. How is that OK to be on TV? Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure this movie passes the Bechtel test. Because we've got two female characters with names who have. Yeah who talk about something other than a man. Well, they, they talk about digging up the woman's body parts. That's true. Yeah. I was gonna say, if yeah. they talk about the murderer, does that count? But yeah, you're right. They, they have to do some strategy on that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like, it's a PG movie. Like there's nothing like super like crazy or bad in it. No, it's a lot of it's implied. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it holds up for sure. Except for some uh, of the yeah. stuff at the end. So that yeah, was a, the, the effects like, and stuff. Not a massive drawback i suppose but it really takes you out of it yeah uh, that at the, yeah at the end of the film there's uh the scene where he drops is clearly before the technology was there yeah. i don't even i can't even understand what happened yeah in that <laughs> how, scene. Yeah. how did they what were they what did they do and they were they because comp- also the 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 shots of all the neighbors coming out are like fast forwarded yeah so i don't understand that either it, what, was what going what on would have been what would have been lost if those were just played at normal speed because yeah. yeah every every shot of like someone running over or running out of their house in that last uh part if they were all like double speed and i don't i don't understand why they I, needed I, to be that I, I think they're probably worried about the pace slowing down too much it's the tension is built it's a climax you yeah, know and they right. want to like keep the speed and see everyone's coming out but yeah it just it just didn't I mean, I, we can't blame them. You know, it was the te- technology at the time, but it just, right. you know, didn't look great. <laughs> no, and I like, I think maybe what was literally happening was they were just like, they filmed Jimmy Stewart in like this type of position. And then, yeah, like, just it in. For, for each frame, they just like cut him out and like pasted yeah. him on top of the shot. Yeah. Which, I mean, that just could have been a reality of the time, but it, yeah, that's what they had it, to do. Yeah. It does look terrible in retrospect. Yeah. But other than literally like the last two minutes of the movie, it, it holds up really well. Like the, yeah. the dialogue's good. The story is interesting. The way that the like mystery unfolds is pretty great. And uh, yeah. Just, uh, just a, one more thing about that final climax okay. scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you also like Thorwald, close your damn eyes. He's flashed you three times. He's going to flash you again. I know. <laughs> Fucking cover your face, my guy. <laughs> You're seeing him reload the bulb. What are you doing? Yeah, we've not we've not painted Thorwald as the brightest gentleman. Well, I mean, he was smart enough, I guess, to cut up his wife's body and spread it throughout town. But yeah, and also send a fake postcard and I, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of thought went into that murder. Yeah, not enough thought when he's trying to strangle close, a man. Yeah, closing your eyes. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mentioned, I love how this movie is set up or just like how his character is set up, like the opening shot, no dialogue. We just scan, we see him in the wheelchair. He's got the cast on his leg. Then we see the broken camera 
that we see him in his famous pictures. You already know who this guy is. You know, mm-hmm. we get the phone call then, which like explains it more explicitly. We didn't even need that though. I'm like, I just from the the cast, the broken camera in the picture, I can tell what the kind of person this guy is. He's an action photographer. He goes out and gets the stuff, and you know, probably doesn't like being cooped up, and uh, that's why he gets like obsessed with this, you know, theory he has, and then turns out to be true. But um, and yeah, just keeping everything in the apartment. It never feels like boring or slow somehow. Um, even though we're in just this kind of one setting, I mean, we're seeing all the different neighbors at times, but, um, yeah, it just, it's, it moves very efficient and I like that a lot about it. Um, yeah, I agree. I, uh, I would really like to see like a, a shot for shot modern retelling of this movie where mm. the plot twist is that it's actually just like the main character scrolling TikTok for an hour and 45 minutes. Well, okay. Let me, while you're talking, let me look up stuff. Cause there was a Kristen Bell like parody rear window movie probably um i was just it, more being facetious about the fact that he has like at the <laughs> like he could have read a book but this man has nothing to entertain yeah. himself other than looking out the window which is just yeah. funny which Whereas nowadays God. you just stare at your phone all night the, the shots of him with the like telephoto lens on his camera it looks so freaking cool man yes like yes, they it's did. just it's such a great look um, and we just, yeah, just the reflections on it and stuff. Okay. Let me find this really fast because uh, it has a really funny title. <laughs> I'm not finding it. It's like, she's like a person that like just drinks wine. It's a mini series. Um, uh, and like looks out of her window and it's like a spoof. Here we go. I got it. Yeah. It's a mini series. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. When a handsome neighbor moves in across the street Anna, a heartbroken woman from whom Every day is the same. Starts to see a light at the end of the tunnel. That is until she witnesses a gruesome murder. Or did she? So, yeah, it's like a rear window kind of spoof. Okay. Uh, with like Kristen Bell looking out the window, like drinking a bunch of wine. Um, could be fun. Somebody watch it and let us know how it is. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely report back. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, there's like a family episode. There's a ton of stuff based yeah. on this. Uh, I You mentioned earlier the uh, uh, Leonard Bernstein was cited yeah um that was another thing i saw when just kind of digging around all the sound in this movie is diegetic mm-hmm. um yep other than like at the very like first couple shots there's like some s- score after that it's like all all the sound is in world so like yeah. you hear cars honking and stuff and the only music comes from uh the musician who lives you know upstairs across in the building across the yard Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a cool touch. And I also like yeah. how it, it kind of ties together at the end. Cause you got yeah. the woman who uh, wants to take too many pills, but Miss lonely heart. Yeah. Then she hears some music and, and here's a song she really loves. And this, this uh, musician has been struggling to come up with the way to make this perfect song. And, you know, in the end, he finally, he, the, he finds a song that gets through to this woman and saves her life. And I thought yeah. like, those tie-ins are super cool and like relevant because I know a lot of a lot of people have experiences where like music kind of takes them back from a dark place. Yeah. So that that was a fairly resonant moment as well. Yeah, that and another one for me with that character was after um, she, they see her kind of get assaulted by that guy. Um, there's two great lines. One of Jeffrey's being like, "Maybe we should not be looking at this stuff. Like this is private." lives and we should not be you know involved and then later lisa says like 
why are we sad that we're the truth is a woman didn't get murdered when they think it. Yeah, that was a great you know? line. And yeah. I'm glad they put that in the movie because like that's what we're feeling. And I'm right. glad they like acknowledge that. It's like, yeah, we sh- this is a good thing. <laughs> this guy is not a murderer, you know. Yes. Um, that whole moment, I think, was really powerful. And then, yeah, we get some cool action later with yeah, Lisa going across the street. And it's cool. This, we get this, you know, 2D version of it of her going through the window and looking around and stuff. And what's going on what's what are they saying and that's all really fun to watch yeah i really like the way that kind of the uh, the opposite building almost turns into like a shadow box like yeah. a tab tableau it's just it's it's a really cool mechanic and yeah all these shots from across the street where it literally just looks like a like an ant farm just 2d mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it's super super fun really cool way to to shoot it yeah so yeah i mean that's ruined i mean it, it's there's not a lot to it it's pretty lean it's good uh um just one other thing i wanted to touch on with the like the actual the tension um i think there are a lot of like sneaky ways that the tension is kind of ratcheted up that Mm. i appreciated like first of all he's stuck in his apartment that brings in like a claustrophobia like an unease Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. two he's literally stuck in like a cast and it's it's itching you know and that adds to that claustrophobic effect um and then also just the the aspect of like windows are two ways. Yeah. So the entire time he's looking, even if you're not thinking about it, subconsciously, subconsciously you're thinking, oh, God, I hope nobody sees him right. peeping at him. And yeah. eventually when when he does get seen, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, there shit. it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then the yeah, moment you've been waiting for, literally just by the existence of this window, it's established right. this Chekhov's gun that at some point someone's going to look back through it. Yeah. And then when you hear Thorwald come into his apartment, it's like, yeah, he can't do anything. He's got a wheelchair. He can't walk. Yeah. He hasn't got a gun like he's fucked. Um, yeah, I know. I think you're totally right. The, the tension building, I think it, it takes a while, but it, once it starts ramping up, yes. it's, it's very effective. Yeah. That was one of my only other gripes is I think that the movie takes a little bit too long to get moving. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, I, I also really like the final shot of him and now he has two casts <laughs> for both legs yeah, that it was just so, super cheeky and then like goes to lisa and she sees he she, he fell asleep she drops the himalayas book and picks up the fashion magazine it, it's great you know like <laughs> what a, a nice really great way. ending yes yeah yeah so yeah man yeah it's a great movie uh glad we watched it i'm excited for next week we're watching another hitchcock movie I won't say it yet and see if that's more tense because that's that's his trademark right yeah um I will say I'm never watching the birds again. That one too scary. No, thank you. Um, Understood. But do you have any recommendations based on this? We just watched another contained thriller being 12 angry men. Uh, so I feel like it'd be a lot of similar stuff than that, but do you have any uh, thoughts? Yeah, I do. Um, I watched it last year, two years. I think like maybe like 16 months ago. It's called Kimmy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think is it Steven Soderbergh? Pulled it up. So like, remember this. I remember it um, coming out. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. It's about a woman with agoraphobia who works as like a a voice log analyst for like Amazon or something. Mm-hmm. Like, because Kimmy is like a Amazon Alexa that predicts what what you want. Like, it'll hear you talking about um how you're out of toilet paper and it'll recommend you toilet paper. Right. So she like analyzes these voice clips to like train 
the AI or whatever, and she overhears what she thinks might be a murder. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, this is kind of that, I know I was being facetious earlier, but this is like a modern retelling of the right. story yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Um, which was pretty good. Uh, it, like it didn't, I couldn't remember what it was called. I know it had Zoe Kravitz in it, but, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was good enough. I watched it with my family actually. Yeah. If, if you're allergic to old movies, but you want to watch a rear window type movie. Yeah. Watch Kimmy. There you go. Actually. Yeah. That's a good shot. It just reminded me of what are the, the first, was it searching was the first movie that came out that was all on a computer screen with, uh, oh, John Cho. John Cho was in it. Yep. Yeah. I think so it is that, called I mean, searching. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So that that's a kind of another version of it where it's one thing you're just looking at a computer screen, so it's it's kind of a contained thriller in that way. And then there was like a spiritual sequel that came out, I think like last year that I'm blanking on, unfortunately. Um, but that might be another another good shout. A missing was the next one. Uh, that one's like more in the real world though. Gotcha. But yeah, there we go. Uh, that is a review of Rear Window. Stay tuned to the end of the episode when we say we're watching next week. But for now, it's bonus review time. Perk, I got three. You got one. Uh, so I'll start us off here with this is the short one. I was looking at my AMC app, as you do, because sometimes they throw in some extra special events. What do I see? Godzilla minus one minus color with the dopest poster I've seen in my entire fucking life, uh, which is this is Godzilla minus one in black and white. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we're going to that, baby. Um, and it was great. Like, I think. I definitely would not recommend seeing it as your first time watching the movie, um, but it was really cool. Like Godzilla itself himself uh, was way more terrifying in black and white. Like the opening scene, I won't explain it for those who haven't seen it, but Perk, you know, yeah. he's just like way more terrifying in black and white. Um, so that was really cool. I mean, the dialogue scenes are pretty much the same. I will say I really missed the blue, the blue that he has when he's charging the heat ray. I, you know, that's such an important part of Godzilla minus one and not having that. It's like you didn't notice what was happening right away sometimes because you just don't have that color cue. Yeah. And this movie wasn't made to be in black and white. So like right. it kind of makes sense. So I think it's a fun <laughs> gimmick and a fun way to watch it. If you've already seen it, I would not recommend it at first viewing, but great time. I love that movie. I cried a bunch. Um, it was my favorite movie last year. So yeah, if you're a fan of the movie, go see Godzilla minus one minus color. Great time and a fucking great title. I mean, come on. That's awesome. So I wonder. Oh, I, yeah, I, I think it would have been maybe this is too dumb. But if they had done like one of those gimmicks, like in uh, uh, what's the Liam Neeson Holocaust movie? Oh, Schindler's List. Schindler's List, where there's no color except for the girl in the red dress. Yeah, no, dude. Like, if they had the if they, if they just had kept done the blue, just blue, dude, that would have been fucking awesome. I was yeah. kind of I was thinking about it too. I'm like that would have been so sick. Um, yeah, but anyway, I, I I did notice though, Perk. I mean, what was after? My parents caught something at the end of the movie that I did not catch. Mm. That's kind of a, another Easter egg, or set for the sequel. And I caught it this time. I was like, oh, what the fuck is that? So I'll talk about it after. But there's there there's okay. setting some things up for a possible sequel. So All right. We'll, see. well but, we we knew that they were setting up for a sequel sequel with what I thought was kind of a lame ending. But well, see, I, yeah, yeah. There's that thing before that that also. Okay. And now that there's the two things now more important, just the one thing at the end, I'm like, that's lame. But the two things I'm like, okay, you you, you get me, but fair enough. Perk. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched Maestro, 
which mm-hmm. is the Bradley Cooper directed and starred uh, Steven Spielberg produced uh, biopic about Leonard Bernstein, uh, which stars and focuses a lot of its runtime around Carrie Mulligan as his wife, uh, Felicia. Um, it is, it is fine. It is <laughs> just okay. I, yeah. I didn't want to watch it, which that'll always kind of tank your, like you coming in the wrong mindset. Yeah. It's not going to help, but I've done that before where I've come in on the wrong mindset and been like, Oh wow, this was actually fire. It's, uh, the guy clearly has an interesting life and an interesting story. It centers around a lot of, a lot around his relationship dynamic because he's married to Felicia and has kids. But from the start, she knew that he was like having affairs with men. Like it Mm. was the, it was like an agreement that they had, but it's clearly still has strains on, on their relationship. Uh, it, the script is kind of all over the place and it, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really follow too much of anything, just like passage of time. Uh, there's a black and white section uh, after which it's in color, which the only thing I can think of is maybe that it's because at that time period, there wasn't color. Um, Cause they, they meet, I don't remember actually when they meet, but. Um, maybe that maybe when they met was before color, like film was a thing, but other Mm. than that, the choice felt kind of arbitrary. Um, I don't know. Bradley Cooper's a good director. I think it's well-directed at a minimum. Um, it's well-acted. I think Bradley Cooper's good. I don't know, like off the top of my head, I can't think of who I would have nominated over him, but this feels like a more that he was just supposed to be nominated. Yeah. Carrie, Carrie Mulligan is tremendous. Um, I think she's just an outstanding actor yeah. in general. Um, but yeah, she kills it in what is a larger role than you would think for a movie about Leonard Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she does kind of have a lot to do and she does a good job, but uh, overall, I mean, the score is good, but do you know why the score is good? <laughs> Cause it's just all Leonard Bernstein's music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It got nominated for freaking everything, which is stupid. Yeah. It's, it's a fine movie. It's carried by performances and good direction, but don't watch it. So yeah. yeah. So basically <laughs> that, what we're saying is if Carrie wins, that's fine. But anything else? Actually, no, no. if, if Carrie Mulligan wins, it's not okay. <laughs> Cause it well, it's probably well, well. I'll do this all well, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about. There later. are others that I would pick over her for sure. Yeah, gotcha. Well, yeah, that that's also that's in line with what I've been seeing with reviews, and it's like you said, very Oscar baity. Um, do you think there's a version of a Leonard Bernstein biopic that's good and compelling? And this wasn't it, or anything. It's just I know you're also not a big biggest fan of biopics, but. There might be. I don't, we just don't we don't get too much of like his inner journey, I suppose, is the wrong way to say it. It's more just the whole movie is kind of through the lens of his relationship with his wife. Mm. Um, the, the music is almost like a sideshow, which can be OK, because mm-hmm. obviously it's only part of his life. But 
I don't know. It's hard to say if like if there is a good way to. T- Obviously, this dude's an interesting guy, and his story is probably worth telling. But I don't know. I'm just so cynical on biopics as a genre in general. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe instead, it could have been just a. Here is all his best, most featured music and movies throughout the years, and just have it be a montage, and that'd be a cool YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? But all right, well that's that's Maestro. That's Maestro. <laughs> there we go. Everybody, go rush out to your Netflix app and uh-huh. fire that one up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right, Perk. Well, I'll leave you with something good, something bad. All right. Um, I'll start with the bad. So, Mad Max Fury Road just get onto HBO max and I really nice. wanted to watch it. Yeah. Everyone's like, we should watch the original ones first. I'm like, fine. I'm going to watch Fury road, but whatever. So we watched the original Mad Max. What the, what is this movie? Have you seen the original Mad Max? I haven't. Okay. So I'd never seen it before. And I'm like, okay, the Mad Max movies are cult classics. Yada, yada, yada. I don't think the first one is after watching it because this is pre apocalypse. I thought uh, and the movie starts and like they're in Australia and like things are like mostly fine. I'm like, is it oh, really? going to happen in this movie? Nope. It, it's it's <sighs> this movie is so fucking slow. Uh, <laughs> For a movie that is about mostly just like highway chases. It is so slow and nothing fucking happens. Um. And this movie could have been like 20 minutes long and got the same amount of plot done and been like, well, this movie, this movie should have been a flashback in Mad Max 2 to set up his character because okay. he doesn't become Mad Max until the very end. Gotcha. That's a bad thing happens. It should have been a flashback in Mad Max 2. Like there's nothing cool. Like I, I read some trivia that like all the car stunts had to be done in one take. So they didn't have the budget to it more than once, which is a cool fact. They're fine. Like they're cool. It's, it's hard in, in 2024 to like compared to what we have now to compare but we have then but like i don't know man like i just didn't have a good time this movie i was like checking my watch i'm like god how what this is so long and so slow and nothing is fucking happening and mel gibson's fine but like yeah this movie like i said should have been a flashback in the next movie because <laughs> we just we need to develop one part of his character and that's that now he's bad backs you know so would not recommend <laughs> I would skip to, to Mad Max too because I'm pretty sure that's things have already gone to shit at that point. Oh, so, you just watched the first one? Yeah, we just watched the first one. Okay. The, the first one's also on no, the first one's on Prime. The other the next two are just to rent. So I don't know if we're actually gonna rent those or we're just gonna skip okay. the Free Road. I just want to watch Free Road again, man. You know? Yeah. Because it's a great, well, great movie. You're saying like lack of plot, not a lot happens. Fury Road yeah. is kind of like that too. Yeah, but it, that's why I'm excited to watch it again because I loved it when it came out. I yeah. absolutely loved it. And also, okay, there's not a plot. There's a ton of themes. Yeah, there's a lot I of mean, like little things to pick out of what's actually going on in the world. This world think, of Mad Max 1 yeah. is boring as hell. I didn't think Mad Max was like the greatest thing ever because of the story. I, yeah. I like it for a lot of the other reasons. Same thing with like John Wick. Who cares about John Wick's stories? Yeah. It doesn't mean it's bad. So, yeah, I just, I just well, wanted yeah. to, you know, if, if lack of stories is a problem i can see like clearly that inspiration has yeah no no stayed. for sure well yeah no i think the thing on Tree road and again i'll also watch it again but like yeah the spectacle and action is awesome but it is like you can tell it feels like there's lore you don't know and that's mm-hmm. exciting like with the i forget what they're called but like the uh crazy people that <laughs> what's the the nicholas holt's character there's like some like oh, lore yeah, yeah. there and then like a morton joe and the the women like yeah. 
you can tell there's stuff happening in this world and Tom Hardy's going to throw it into it. And this is just like Australia. That's like a little bit fucked up. Okay. And there's some crazy people that like, but they don't have, it don't feel like they have like a religion or a, they're just kind of nomads that just like, ah, oh, there's a woman. We're going to try to, you know, attack her. And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, would not recommend just skip to the second one. I would say if you're watching Mad Max, something good. I watched that. I am, I perk. I cannot believe the show got made <laughs> and is actually good. Like the things that needed to happen for this are just baffling, but okay. There is a show on Netflix you can watch called Captain Laserhawk, a blood dragon remix. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds insane. And that's because okay. it is. Yeah. This show is a Ubisoft universe. It's a show that, that takes place using Ubisoft characters and world pieces and just makes it rated R essentially, but it's really fucking good. <laughs> So for anybody listening who's a a hardcore gamer, Far Cry 3 was a game that came out. People loved it. There was a DLC called uh, Blood Dragon, which was like a 80s synth wave techno kind of take on the story and world and stuff. So Captain Laserhawk Blood Dragon Remix is like that kind of similar type of thing where it's kind of like a retro 80s deal. The story takes place in, you know, but it's also like kind of futuristic, whatever. We're, we're in a world perk where a, a mega corporation has taken over the country and government. We're pure. We're straight fascism right now. OK. And we follow Captain Laserhawk, who is a used to be a soldier and then he got killed and they gave him a robot arm and a robot part of his head. And now he's a rebel and he's trying to, you know, fight back against the system uh, with his boyfriend. And then shit hits the fan. And I'll just but our first episode spoilers, whatever. For shit at the fan, he because he gets captured and he gets part of like a suicide squad type thing, which I'm so sick of this trope. Perk, I'm sick of the suicide squad trope, but they actually do it well. Okay. <laughs> this is the best suicide squad take I've ever had, um, I've ever seen. The themes are awesome. The humor is pretty good. The way they use Ubisoft characters is insane, but like it works. Like okay, Rayman from Rayman and the Raving Rabbids and Rayman Legends is the like talk show host mouthpiece of this mega corporation and there's a point in the show park where he's doing cocaine and i'm like yeah that makes sense for his character right now like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucking rayman this is a children's mascot character and he's doing coke it's like but like ugh, the themes are great the story is great it has great twists that are actually interesting and like push the story forward uh it's only six episodes like it's short you can knock it out ton of cool references like assassin's creed uh beyond good and evil uh far cry all this stuff and Beyond like, Good you and Evil, by Beyond the way, evil. is is number two ever coming? No, <laughs> but okay. the first one's not bad. And the All two right. main characters in that game, Jaden Page, are in this show, and they're oh, great characters. Nice. Um, like, you don't have to like know any references to enjoy the show. Like, it makes it more fun. But it tells its own story, um, and it's it's really fucking cool, man. Like, I I cannot believe this show got made and is this good. It's, it's by Adi Shankar, who he produced the Castlevania Netflix show, which is fucking awesome. Um, so he he knows what he's doing over there. And I'm just baffled that, like, Netflix and Ubisoft are like, yeah, we're going to produce this. And there's a second season coming. Like, absolutely insane. So, like, if any of this sounds interesting at all, watch episode one. And I, I would assume you're going to get hooked and you're going to watch all six because, like, my God, this show is fucking cool. So check out 
Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix. It sounds insane, but I promise you it is genuinely a good show. And that is my my spiel for the night. Burke, are you going to watch this at all? Maybe. Okay. I, I, I would love for you to watch episode one. Okay. <laughs> Just to get an idea of like... I yeah, what I think all like. the all the IP being involved is crazy because yeah, so so much IP content that gets put out is just so wildly soulless. Yeah, and it's just like, uh, we need to make a movie out of uh, Mario. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's like you would not expect this kind of care to be done for anything Ubisoft would actually do. Right. <laughs> like they're making a shooter coming out some point this year called X Defiant. That's kind of this where each you can pick like a different squad and one of them's from Watch Dogs, one of them's from Splinter Cell, one of them's from Assassin's Creed River. And, you know, we see a lot of companies try to like mash up their IP into like a Smash Bros type thing or whatever. This is like super, super well done and like using these characters very specifically and not too much. Like there's Watch Dogs stuff that's like it could be cringy, but no, like they use it and then they get out. There's Splinter Cell stuff like it's it's very, very effective and like it's just done with such care. And I'm like, God. Can they actually do this in their games? Because like it, this shows it can be done. You just got to care yeah. about the IP enough to actually like right. use it correctly. Um, so like it gives me some hope, but Ubisoft is also going in a really bad direction right now, so it probably won't happen. But uh, yeah, it's just like it, it is. It's just such a weird amalgamation that I just I, again I cannot believe this exists and it is good. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. So yeah, nice. That is our show for this week. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Next week, we're doing another Hitchcock banger, hopefully, and that is Vertigo. Uh, Perk and I have not seen it, and I'm excited to see this man who gets afraid of heights or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so that's – oh, go ahead. No, I think, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's all, all that yeah, happens. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the whole movie. It's just him being, going up to high places and him being scared about it. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it is streaming on Criterion Channel again, if you have that, and then also available to rent. So, oh, fun fact. Maybe this is true for Vertigo. Rear Window was just free on YouTube. Um, oh, was it? So maybe it's like, check that out also. That might be a thing. Um, nice. But yeah, you, it is available to watch uh, one way or another. So uh, next week will be Vertigo. And until then, thanks for watching. Bye. Bye-bye.